0: Hello, and welcome to Relative Pitch, a podcast about music, culture, and society from a young perspective. Our initiative is to bring fresh new ideas to the music field. Here are your hosts, Lauren Green, Anthony Morris, and Michael Brown. Hello, everyone. We hope you all enjoyed our Black History Month um, episodes. It was so fun recording them, and all the guests were very amazing to have on the show. And if you haven't had a chance to go watch all of them, make sure to go check them out because they were really amazing. And so we wanted to continue with our Wagnerism mini book club series with chapters eight, nine, and 10 this week. And so I, the chapter I covered is chapter eight, which is titled Brunhild's Rock. And so a little bit of background on like what or who Brunhild was. She was the daughter of Wolten. I think that's how you pronounce it, which is from, this is from Rheingold. Um, so, you know, Wagner. And um, basically the story is Brunhild is a Valkyrie and she defies her father by helping and protecting Sigmund. So this is, I think we've talked about Reingold earlier in the, yeah, earlier in the series. And so we have a little bit of background already on that. And basically her defying her father, he takes away her Valkyrie status, and now she's mortal again, and she becomes um, just immortal. And she is on this rock and she is sleeping, and there's a circle of fire that surrounds her to protect her from anyone and um, he basically, well, her father says, no one can enter the circle unless he does not fear his sword or spe- spear. I think it's his spear. And so that basically means only the bravest of men can enter the circle. So that's a little bit of background on uh, the chapter, the title of the chapter. And so basically, I th- I saw a connection between Brunhild being asleep on the rock and you know Snow White and other Disney princesses of the whole concept of you know oh like I have to be saved you know by you know by a man and so you know in my women music and feminist thought class we are just talking about how a lot of operas and musicals use this idea that the woman is you know in distress always and it takes a man to be able to save her um is this empower is this an empowering image of women like because they're defenseless have to be saved by men or is it is it empowering just for them to be on stage like what do you guys think about that
1: well first when you were talking about that i'm sorry the first thing that came to my head was cheetah girl cinderella um that is my song from like the childhood if y'all have never heard that song be my
0: cinderella, cinderella, all the steam
1: yes <laughs> like that song i mean growing up just like I don't need nobody to come and save me. I will. Oh, no, no, no. Yes. Let me just say, uh, Raven, uh, Adrienne, Sabrina. Oh, her real name is not Sabrina. Is it Sabrina? Her real name is Sabrina. And uh, one and of those. <laughs> they were, They really sang that song. If it wasn't their song, but um, I don't. I think nowadays, with who we are as people feminism has just become like this big thing and it's like and it should be from the get-go first of all women do not need nobody to save them just like black people don't need anybody to save them we can save ourselves and I be- really? and I think and that uh I guess since the world began and people started doing stuff like this I think women has always had the supporting role never Anything like you know, strong feminine energy. Um, so I don't think it's like uh, um, something good. I just think it's something like, girl, we don't care. Like, come on now, well, come on. Uh, but I also love writers about. Ba- I love the Valkyries. I love that they are strong women, just like how I love yeah. uh, the story of uh, Wonder Woman, where it's like these strong, powerful women doing their own thing in their own island and they are just bad people and that's what I love so I think it really kind of goes both ways depending on what you're talking about
0: what about you Michael
1: how do you feel about it
2: well I think um connection between you I, I, I don't know I don't know the story of Snow White to be completely honest with all of you. Well,
0: basically, she you know she's in the forest and he, she's waiting for her prince to come kiss her. How did she get? there? How did she what? How did she get there? W- get in the forest? Yeah, like how did she get? To- oh, isn't it the apple? The apple, the poison apple. Ah, see,
2: and I, I think it might be like I think it changed like from Brunhilda. I, I think Wotan. Was stupid. He was he he was in fear of her because va- the Valkyries back then they were important people because they carried um, wounded dead soldiers on up. They were the people who transcended them into the next ba- Yes. Yeah.
0: Ba-hala. I mean the basically the situation is yeah like you were saying. Well, she was doing what she thought her father wanted her to do because he had intentions to you know save Sigmund. Um, but then Fricka, which we'll talk about her in a little bit. His wife was like, yeah, you're kind of just using him as a, pawn. basically like you're evil. The gods are like all this stuff. And she got into his head and then he changed his story and Brunhilde was like, well, I was doing what you really wanted to do in the first place. And that's why he put the circle of fire around her. Cause he was like, I want to protect you. But at the same time, I have to still punish you by putting you asleep on this rock as a mortal and no longer Valkyrie. I didn't think it was reasonable at all. Like, I mean, it didn't really make any sense. I'm like, you're probably your favorite child and you're just like, nah, let me just like, you know make her not live forever anymore. And then it's a it's a whole mess, a whole mess. Um, but yeah, so Fricka again, that's Wotan's wife and uh, Ryan Gold, they have an interesting relationship. Um, there was a whole debate or like beginning of the chapter where they talked about how people see Fricka as very boring. And like a lifeless character which is very interesting there was actually a quote by stephanie Blythe within there talking about how like strong of a character that Fricka actually is um and so it's a it's something that's talked about a little bit in there but then it kind of talks more about brunhilde within the chapter so then the main focus of the chapter is on willa cather i want to say is how her name is pronounced she's an american author a lot of her works are heavily centered around Wagnerism and just like Wagner's ideals and uh, his uh, visuals, values, everything. That's like kind of how she wrote. Um, and so there's a quote and she, there's a piece or I think a book called My Antonia. And it ta- the quote is, she wrote of the sun-soaked atmosphere of the late afternoon, quote, that hour always had the exhaustion of victory, of triumphant ending like a hero's death heroes who died young and gloriously. So what do you guys think of the constant message that young heroes have to die like young and gloriously? This is whole, and it's it's in songs too, like the whole we're gonna die young and you know, I think it's a Kesha song. Um, Is this toxic? Is I mean, the idea of wanting to die within your youth, I guess, as a way to preserve yourself either physically, mentally, or like whatever, like, do we agree with this notion that dying young is triumphant?
1: No, <laughs> no. Um, And it also I'm gonna throw shade at one of Michael's favorite song people, uh artists, uh, Lana Del Rey, like she has said yes. multiple times, like she is, was always kind of enthralled with that story of dying young and yes. I guess Back in the day, I mean, even now when people die young, it's like they have stardom now. Like here it is. Even when you die older, it's like your art kind of magnifies. Like think about Mm -hmm. Prince and Michael Jackson. I mean, they were already big, but when they died, everybody went and bought their albums. Everybody was like, you know, paying tributes and all of this. Uh, But I do think it's toxic because I always believe in give people their flowers while they're on this Absolutely. side of earth. Um, and that goes for anything, just your grandparents, like cherishing that life that while they are here. Because, and uh, for me, like I always love when it comes to music, that's why I love doing newer works, is because I want to have a conversation with the composer of like, what were your intentions? And I think when you pass on, you it's always up for interpretations and i and that can go either way but i think it's a very toxic behavior um Mm -hmm. for us to kind of be infatuated with dying young um and it's weird it's getting real weird
0: it's like almost romanticized yes yes yeah
2: i think it is romanticized but i feel like in some aspects it's not about like i think more and more as it like you died younger back in the day because you just died. Dinosaur bit your head off. You got, like, what? King Tut got, like, a gash on his thigh. He's dead, he was dead in three days. Like, it just happened. And right. I feel like it, it is isn't over romanticization, but, like, dying a hero, I feel like, is what it, it's actually doing, and they just happen to be young. Also, this fantasy and this curiosity of what happens when you die I believe is what's driving it. They want to know what is next. They want to know what happens because there's always a question of like the metaphysical, the bridge to the beyond. Mm-hmm. The guy, you come back like as a grasshopper, like what right. do you do? Um, I mean, I love Lana Del Rey. And honestly, sometimes I'm like, let me go out while I can still use my entire body. I want to be able to walk. <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're over here like we're going out in a blade of glory,
0: well, I think the reason why people are so obsessed with the idea of like, oh, dying young, or, it's because people are scared to see like the process. It's life. You know, you start your kid, you learn how to do things, you hit a peak, you know, whatever age where you're like the peak of your ability in the sense of, I guess, physicality and whatever, you know. And people always say, oh, your youth is your shortest time. Use it while, you know. And I'm like, that's, that's just too, when you say something like that, it almost says to them, you're almost done with the best part of your life, honestly. And I mean, that's ridiculous because that we know amazing people who are in their 50s, in their 60s, 70s, who are still achieving amazing things, who are still doing great things. And like some of them would even say they're at a better place now than they were even in their youth,
1: you know? And I think that's where we are as a culture now is that we are embracing that being growing older is getting better. Yes. And, it's more experience. and I mean back then of course they might have wanted to the younger it is because their life expectancy was young oh yeah absolutely we have people in their late 80s 90s 100 and yeah. they are still kicking I just saw a lady from our hometown time in Macon she just turned 100 and she could walk she's still dancing she's still you know living her best life and like that's what we look forward to now. Yes, uh, Even in our field, when we look at people who are in our field, they are 50, 60, 70s, still like conductors and still conducting, performers and still performing. And we're just like, yes, like go for it. And they will tell you, I'm doing what I love to do. And so I think we, we've kind of moved away from that, which is good because that's what we should be doing anyway.
0: Yeah. Like our, our youth is short for, you know, a reason. It's like, just, okay, now mature and then go on to the next steps, you know? Um, So yeah, that was something I thought I was like, that'll be a good discussion point. Absolutely. And so then after that, they kind of talk more about Willa um, Cather's kind of background and how she got into this. So she had a music teacher, uh, Albert Gustav Balthasser Schindelmeister. I wanna say how that's pronounced. And so basically what a quote that he was, uh, he's a music, I think, yeah, he was her music teacher. And one of the quotes that he has is of all arts, music is the most pure and elevated, the most ennobling in its influences. So as musicians, I always feel like, and I say this to everyone I meet, I feel like it's my duty to like be able to enjoy and push for all other art forms as well, because art, they are all connected in some way, the visuals, and the art, like actual, you know, visual artists, music, everything, dancing. And so, you know, I, I was, it was curious about that because I was like, you know, I do love music. I think music has the ability to touch people in ways that nothing else can. Do you, do you agree, but do you agree exactly with his statement um, that music is the most pure and elevated thing out there, like art form? And does this kind of show elements of elitism maybe as well i mean the,
2: the, by the way, question did he did he say instrumental music or just music in general you said uh, of all arts music
0: okay is well the I, most pure. I,
2: I will agree opera is the most well-rounded art form it involves every part of art form there's painting on the set there's dancing there's um singing which is the most connected music like every human can connect with words and song like yeah. like a lot of traditions are taught or sung wrote like you learn your traditions wrote so i feel like opera to me is the most holistic art form because it involves almost all of the disciplines um it is a little bit of elitism elitism but i also believe it is it is true especially when you're talking about opera or just vocal in general Cause that's the one that connects with humans the most. Instrumental music has a harder time cause we can't use our mouths and our words. So I, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I think music, uh, specifically vocal music is definitely a very pure because I, everyone does it. Uh, I mean, think about, uh, for example, um, enslaved people, how they, the traditions were sung. It was, uh, and even in many other cultures, it is sung, and that is how a lot of history was passed down, was through song. But I also think that other art forms, except also dance, uh, I think dance and singing are two of the most truest of them, um, because something about the body and getting the body involved and really kind of showing exactly what you're feeling through your body. I think those two go hand in hand, um, but it does. It definitely is elitist to say one art form is better than the other, especially now when we want all of the arts to be raised up. So I think it, it is a little elitist, uh, but something about the voice and singing because no matter what you can you might not have anything else in your life like nothing you own but you will always have a voice and that and that's always so of course that is definitely probably the most purest of them all
0: yeah i understand how you know because i agree with michael in a sense of like opera it's like when you go to the theaters like i remember you know whenever we got to go to theaters um and going to see Endgame, like Avengers Endgame, the, and just so, you know, the black, it's black in there. And it's just, the, it's surrounding you, the music, like what they're saying, everything, the visuals. And it is a spectacle. And so is opera in that sense. So you get all that, the complete art. It, it is a complete art form. Um, but I think, did you have something to say, Michael? Yes,
2: Endgame is the worst Avengers movie ever
0: that that's a wrong opinion but it's okay we can cut that out later (laughs) and so no like but i also agree with anthony because there's some back in the day certain art forms were held to a higher status than others like dancing was kind of like i mean besides like court dancing and everything but even then it took a while for that to be a thing because it was just kind of like oh women women should not noble women shouldn't use their bodies like that and you know um but i do agree that dance is one it does move me just as much I think as music does whenever it's done the right way so yeah so moving on then to a few uh actual writings of cather i think a, a novel um she had there's a scene from lucy uh Gayheart, which is one of her novels where the heroine is attending Lohengrin like at the i think chicago symphony or met series in chicago and basically, um, sitting beside her is uh, Harry, who's a sturdy Nebraskan, who will soon ask for her hand in marriage. Um, but instead, while she's listening to Lohengrin, Wagner, her thoughts, Lucy's thoughts, drift towards her voice teacher Seb- or Clement Sebastian, who was kind of like a vampire. His essence was very vampiric. Um, and so we can go ahead and assume that he's older than she is, quite older, and, and you know. And so, you know, there was this idea that music by Wagner kind of pushes you to like, you know, it pushed her to pick the wrong guy, you know, almost. Also, there's a connection to Phantom of the Opera there, if you if you want to be seen, because I immediately caught that on, you know, Christine's like, oh, Phantom is an old homeboy. And, you know, she ends up, you know, kind of, you know, going one way. But it's the music that brings her to Phantom. Um, so do you see, like, uh... Connections with the fandom, like we just talked about? And do you see any problems with the story or plotline focused on a woman being mentally captive by a man and also being usually older, or the man being usually older?
1: That's that good old misogynistic writing at its best. Um, <laughs> these men will write these screenplays and everything else. Of course, they they would like to see a young woman fall head over heels for him.
0: <laughs> yes, and
1: the older man, you know, the older man, and mm-hmm. it's just like, no, <laughs> like, no, we don't want you like that. But I think it it's definitely is a captivating story to be told because I mean, I love *End of the Opera*. Like, I've right. seen it multiple times, and I'm 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 all for it but I do think it's a captivating story. Do I think it's a, a right story? No, because also you got to think the older man is manipulating the younger girl- Exactly, exactly. in love with him um, because he's doing all types of things in his own realm. And of course she's naive, she's young. And I also beg the question of why does she have to be naive? Why does she have to be young? Why can't right. she you know, have this and that? Um, but I, it's a story that's still being told today. So I guess it's just one of those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I think young and naive has also just been a trend. Like you are always naive when you're young. Um, I just want to make a side note Raul was not the right choice for Christine. I, I mean, I agree with that. I do. And if someone wants to have a debate with me, please DM me on Instagram or Facebook and I will. I will give you a lecture for 30 to 45 minutes. Um, anyways, yes, I can see that. Um, it is a it is a um, bad plot point, but it was a plot mm. point that was often used a lot, and especially just young and naive is just still said today about younger generations. I mean, I say it, tw- class of 2016 was the last graduating high school class, period. Ooh. At least at my high school. What
1: do you mean by that? I know know what you mean mean by that.
2: You know what I mean, Anthony. Do I? You do.
0: Yeah. um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) But no, you know, I'm sure we'll have an episode where we talk about, you know, musicals and operas and everything in general, that type of art form. And, you know, discuss how, you know, because obviously we all love the Phantom, like Phantom of the Opera, but we don't agree necessarily with those Underlying plot points and everything, so there's a difference between like art, like appreciation, and actually being like, no, this I agree with this mindset. Like those are two, two separate things. Um, so continuing on to another work of hers, I believe um, it was called something with Wagner in the name because she just was obsessed with Wagner. Um, but it's basically this a story, of Wagner matinee, and um, there was a quote. In it from one of the characters at the end saying any attempt to encompass the astonishing structure of it all being like music. Um, will necessarily will, or will reduce the music to ordinary dimension, so she basically saying like trying to analyze music and figure out why this sounds the way that this does and why this acts the way it does or you know why this sound makes you feel this way takes away the actual majestic side of music that actually makes humans feel because it's not we don't go oh that plagal fourth just made me feel some type of way or that diminished six chords just you know but it's just, it's the feeling like when you hear that tristan chord after you know the flute solo prelude to afternoon and fawn i'm just like like oh my gosh like, i just feel like i'm in like like just of alternate reality, but it's not because of the underlying, I don't care to know what the actual chord structure is, we've talked about it before, but it's the actual feeling of it. So do you think overanalyzing music takes the beauty and magic away from it?
1: Um, yeah. Um, and this is why I say that is because I think before I went to music school I think I had a very, of course, it, I you could call it an ignorant listening of music because I just listened for the feeling. Then after you, especially after you take your music theory classes, your form and analysis classes, and then you're always analyzing it, you're like, Ugh, "This again." It, it really just kind of makes you do that. So I have had to relearn to just listen to music just to so like, "Ooh, that made me feel this way." Um, And I think sometimes, like, yeah, it's cool to analyze, but sometimes don't analyze, just listen to it. Music was made to listen to and not to analyze. Um, And I think uh, that's what we should do is listen to music, listen to what is actually going on rather than let's analyze what actually happened. So I think it does kind of take it away a tad
2: i think it does take away honestly i went through all those courses and i still just listen to music i don't even care anthony's like oh that was so predictable i said what you mean he was like oh it was like blah 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 to this and i was like oh yes it was was this to this oh yes it was just a phrase no
1: Um, predictable it's very (laughs) predictable and it's annoying expect like you go through all those courses and you're like well I know that Bach is going to do this and I know it's going to do this. Oh, let's not talk about so not Allegro form where you're going to have this, you're going to have this, you're going to have this, oh, yes. this, this
0: development. Intro, There's exposition, recapitulation. I like just, it's, it's very predictable. Agreed.
1: When you go through all that, you're like, well, I know what's coming next. That's why music, what I always listen for now is something that is not, what I'm not going to predict. And that's the music that I always love is something that I'm like, Ooh, I
2: didn't know yeah. I feel like there were artists or composers though who were like, Yeah, y'all can overanalyze this if you want to. It was like Mahler and Strauss were two of those people, like, y'all can analyze why we write music, but y'all would never know exactly why. And then like
0: mm-hmm.
2: Wagner and Strauss were like, Y'all call these light motifs. No, this is a part of the music. This is where it's supposed to go in the music. Right. It's not because that is how I wrote the music, not for being like, Oh, this person's coming back. I have to write their theme right here so everybody in the audience knows that they are comp- no they just wrote music
0: yeah i i agree there's definitely i think when we overanalyze things like to that point we're talking about oh yeah Handel or not Handel, um haydn and mozart they were the fathers of this you know sonala allegro form, and just they had so much this concept was crazy for its time and i'm like i'm sure it was but if they literally only wrote music based off of a form just because they felt like they had to that kind of takes the magic out of it Like i don't want to i don't want to know that they just stuck to a formula and wrote out music because then if you started talking about music as a formula it does not become an art form you're getting to the point of science and mathematics and all those things that's not i listen i i'm here for a purpose i got into music for a reason it was not to analyze it for those who do listen we applaud you. You're smarter than I am. I promise you, you are. But, you know, for me as a performer and as someone who I appreciate music as a performer and as an audience member, or when I'm listening to it, like, to it in my car, it's not, I'm not thinking about the form. I'm not thinking about, oh, I wonder, like, the chords and everything. Like if there's some really, there's some cool, like, you know, uh, more alternative and jazz music, like that modern jazz that it's, I'm like, I wonder what they thought of. To get that out but that's more just an interest of the sound that it produced not just me being like i just want to know exactly what how like how they did that um and so i think a lot of people are getting away from that because again with classical music and we can have a whole talk just about elite, like elitism and everything um it, we moved from the point of just being like i enjoy music and i want to play it too you don't know how this works and how that works and this and all this and that this like. Does it change how I'm going to play it? If Most likely not. If you're to a certain level of performance, not really. Like, whenever it's nice to know, oh, this is how the form is written out. I'm going to play it the way I want to play it, though, still, you know? And I also, the form of music is also
2: ingrained in pop culture. Yes. Like, you go back to... Um, blues, it was a certain amount of what you do and then you improvise on top of it. Like nowadays there's verse, there's choruses, there's this, there's that. And like form is a part of every style of music and it's just been built in. But some aspects are overanalyzed and some are not. I just also wanted to point that out.
0: Yeah. I mean and I think that's the reason why pop music fades so quickly because they stick to the same it's the same form and then it's done. It's like okay, well, got that now. Anyway, so yeah, that was something that I, I think I resonated with within there. Um, and so uh, one of the last questions I have, um, there was a quote talking about kind of like how within Wagner's you know, uh, works, we see about two or three human stories and there's only two or three human stories or storylines that are really a thing. So they basically said throughout life, everyone's gonna be one of these two or three storylines. And I was, you know, from a writing perspective of like a TV show, or like if I was into like that type of film and television media, I can understand why someone would say, okay, this storyline, this person, they're th- this type A character. Now this person's this type, I can understand that. And I was kind of getting into, I think like more sociology and how, to, how people react with each other. Um, but the idea that out of all the people on this earth, it's only two or three storylines that a person could be. It kind of takes the individuality out of humanity a little bit. And I think that, that bothered me because I think something I love is that people are so, so different and I love connections. I love networking and meeting new people. And I, I don't think really any, not every now and then I'll come across people, my like, you reminds me of my friend so-and-so, but they all still have their different, you know, characteristics, things they do um and so no i i think i i disagree with the notion that there are only two or three storylines within like humanity but i wanted to know do you do you agree with that or do you understand kind of what they were saying by that
1: um i i actually do understand um because i wouldn't say two or three different personalities like i think you could sum people up in multiple categories. Like I know for me, in my head, I'm like, okay, you're this type of person, you're this type of person, you're this person. Um, And yes, you are your own individual, but like at the core, there are similarities. And if the core is similar, then you have this outer edge where it makes up the individuality of it all. So I like understand I do think there's more than just two or three different storylines um I think there's more but I remember since I've always, I've been younger I'll meet a person I'm like okay so you fit in this or it's all but it's all relative to who I am so I'm like okay you are this type of person this is how we would interact you go here this is how we interact you go here and you fall into that but it's all relative to who I am mm-hmm. and which different from every other person i do understand what they're saying
2: i agree with that because i i like to categorize a lot of stuff um i just go about the day just like oh let me put this in this category because i mean they know that i can do about it so oh well it's like one day you get a flat tire what can i do change it after that you got to kind of throw it away but um i i mean there is just cores that are just all around. There's your every, they are just joyful and nice all the time. Don't get those. There's just pessimistic all the time. I don't get those. I'm like in the middle, like you have to see light. You got to see the dark and the light. You got to be like, Hey, but you know, I, I kind of get what she's saying. I would like to know further Mm -hmm. exactly the philosophy behind it before I completely agree or not. But I do some, a lot of people up, like they have their own characteristics, but like it's like music periods. All the brooks are structurally almost the same, but they're all different characters.
0: Well, you know, the that what is it, that personality test that we that was a big thing a few years ago. Um like Briggs. that was really huh?
1: Like the Myers Briggs test. Yeah, the
0: Myers Briggs. That was a huge thing for people because people wanted to know, oh Like, what percent of this am I? Am I more a leader? Am I more someone who's, you know, and I like that stuff. I'm big into astrology and all that type of anything that I can see, oh, I can relate to that or, but I think for that one, it was just so specific and Mm -hmm. it was also many different characters or personality types that you could be but even everyone like i you know my friend me and my friends send each other oh what's your category oh let me see all your stats so you know and so they'll be, be really different um even if we like i would get matched i uh, find a friend who had my same personality type like i was like but how per- much percent of a leader are you because i'm pretty sure i'm a little bit you know oh, <laughs> so is. i i like that idea so i'm not saying we don't have any similarities i think it was just i'm like two or three
1: Right, I think, I think there's I way. Couldn't, more.
2: I couldn't fill out that test because I'm like, wait, am I strongly this? Am I like yeah. this? I'm like, no. can I need all my friends to fill out these and then can I'm I sorry. get an average no. answer?
1: I definitely took the abridged version of it because we had to do it for a job, and so I, I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna answer all these questions. Like, oh my gosh, maybe that tells more about me than actually taking the test. Just so that's it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it was, that was a lengthy, that was a very lengthy test, but it was very fun. Do it if you haven't done it, and you're, if you're interested, that's a, the, what, the Myers, Myers-Briggs Myers personality mm-hmm. test? Yeah. So this chapter, basically at the end of it, he kind of makes the connection between, because we were really just talking about Cather um, here, but you know, the title of it is Brewing Hills Rock, so I'm gonna read the, the last summary, which is of the, literally the last uh, paragraph of the chapter, I think kind of makes that connection clear. So, Catherine was never systematically religious, nor did she entertain lofty ideas about art's ability to change the world. Her achievement was to transpose Wagnerism into an earthier, more generous key. She offered grandeur without grandiosity, heroism without egoism, myth without mythology. Brunhild stays on her mountain crag, hailing the sun, no man breaks the ring of fire. And I was like, oh, okay. So he saw her as Brunhild, the very specific version of Brunhild, you know, where she's just like, I'm not trying to change the world or anything, but I'm this is my area and leave me alone, you know? So she's on her rock with her fire around her. And I was like, that's a very interesting because I wasn't seeing it, you know, I was going out through through the chapter, and usually I understand his titles at the beginning, but then I was at the end, and it made the connection right at the end, so I guess I kind of understand where he's coming from with that, but that's kind of the summary of uh, what happens in chapter eight, so.
1: And so chapter nine, um, it is entitled Magic Fire, And really, this chapter kind of explores how Wagner remained relevant during the turn of the century, especially with the modernists, through the different lenses, including dance, theater, art, authors, and of course the intellectual thinkers. Um, One of the first things that I read in like the first two paragraphs was this: it says the first world war marked an absolute historical rift, and more or less the end of Wagnerism as an intellectual phenomenon. So that got me to thinking of the turn of the century. I think before all this, we've all been talking about how big Wagner was, how big B- Wagnerism and Wagnerites were, um, and how much they were followers. And then the turn of the century, everything is modern. It, especially if you're a musician, you know, at the turn of the century, it was crazy. Like you have Stravinsky coming, you have All of these people, tone roles, and this and that. It's really about these new technologies. So I I saw how Wagnerism kind of kind of took a backseat because um, which goes to my next thing about Wagner, he was heavily romantic, you know. And when you turn to the 20th century, we didn't care about romance, it was more intellectual thinking. So my question for y'all is. Do you agree with the turn of the century, Wagner, it was a complete uh, change in that? So what are y'all thoughts on that?
0: I think I understand because, yeah, when you jump from that type of traditional, like, oversaturation of romance and everything, and then you go to Stravinsky, you know, it's kind of, that's a big jump. Um, And so I think this kind of more than anything kind of showed where society and culture was moving towards and we're getting rid of the idea of tradition and wanting to see that on stage because we're like we're used to that in our normal lives show us something that we're moving and progressing towards. So I understand how Wagner got kind of, you know, cut out of that equation moving forward so.
2: Just real quick before I answer can you ask the question once more.
1: So do you think with the change of the century, um, putting kind of having Wagnerism as an intellectual phenomenon was put like on pause? Uh, Do you, do you agree with that? Do you see, do you understand how 1800s romantic like everything was you know that decadent as we called it and then 20th century was like we are pure intellectual thinkers therefore there is no more Wagnerism what are your thoughts on that
2: so I'm taking this class right now called Mahler Strauss and maximalism which is the bridge from Wagner to the 20th century in a lot of people's eyes and one, one article we read was how Wagner, like in music, we see him being more of a, like you would think he's a maximalist composer. He maximalized stuff from the people who came before him, but he continued to do the same thing. So mm-hmm. as you continue to do the same thing, you are no longer innovating.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: are like, you innovate it and then you're coming back to it. And the reason we don't consider him a maximalist composer is also his uh, viewpoints on social views, social – like social things. So those maximalist composers that we talked about a lot or we've been talking about is Mahler and Strauss, Mm -hmm. and their thinking behind the music is at times more metaphysical and more like Mahler was how you fit into social construct. So I can believe that like Wagnerism took a backseat, but they were both of those composers going into the next century – we're also inspired by Wagner extreme amount. And we still are inspired by Wagner by an extreme amount. Like Salome and Elektra, like Strauss wrote those because he wanted to follow in Wagner's footsteps. Mm-hmm. He created the tone poem with combinations of Wagner's tonalities and list structure structures of the symphonic poem to create the tone poem, which told stories of Einheld and Leben. Till Jugenspiegel, which led to his operas. So I don't know if it took a back seat, but I feel like it took a more of submissive role mm-hmm. and more of subconscious instead of like, oh, we are following Wagner, ah, blah, blah. But he still had a hand in shaping the next generation of music. I don't it, know if that answered it, but that's kind of where I took it.
1: No, that's my next point, because in the book it says, what modernists respected in Wagner was his will to enact future and by extension to annul the present. So I think, um, and that brings me to my question about that is, do you think this is an attribute that continues the awe to audiences about Wagner? Because even in his works, it was all about the future, um, really kind of not the present looking always forward to something. Uh, and And to me personally, I think that's what continues the awe we have of Wagner is because he thought so far ahead. That I guess in our minds we are still trying to catch up to the the future that he was thinking about. So, do y'all think that is what's continuing this awe? This, I mean, the Wagnerism. Like, there's a whole book about the man in 2021. So, do you think that uh, from his writings that is what continued the awe around his name?
2: I can, I can, I can see that. And also the the topics that he chose. or it's mythology Mm -hmm. we can all relate to mythology we can all relate to folk tunes folk traditions like by rote learning that stuff so I mean it's hard for that kind of style to go out of style per se because I mean later in my chapter we'll talk about this but he has inspired people at different stages of their life they look at one opera they're like oh my god now I understand life Mm -hmm. it's because they connected with it in a different way and it's all just mythology for the main part so yeah, I yeah. Don't think that's why he has lasted so long.
0: I think he was very smart in understanding people. And I want to say, and I'm gonna say it, this is the reason why he his music was played a lot throughout Hitler's reign, is because Hitler understood that Wagner, Wagner's music really connected to people. And he knew how to connect to humanity in general by using, yeah, folk you know uh these uh folklores, mythology all these things that all have a meaning that is supposed to like connect with anyone you know at, at any point of their life um no matter your culture and so this is it's not a surprise it's kind of like a duh you know <laughs> like one of those things because yeah he knew what he was doing um and i think people say oh he was thinking to the future No, he was just thinking his, a lot of his works are kind of immortal because he wrote about things and lessons that are immortal, you know? Um, And so there's no surprise to me that, yeah, we're still talking about Wagner to this day. We're still discussing points of his life. It just kind of makes sense in terms of like how he thought, you know, what he put into his music.
1: Right. Um, And that really kind of sums up the chapter. And it basically, the chapter just went through the different facets of art. Um, One of the facets that really kind of spoke out to me was when it was about the dancers, um, how they use Wagner music, but in a unique way um, in which it says, uh, if dance is self-sufficient, why is Wagner music needed? By dancing to Wagner, um, Fuller and Duncan effectively demoted him he became the backdrop against which new audacities were revealed so you're seeing how in this in this new century Wagner's still there but he's definitely not the main he's not you know a hot topic he's now in the background and that really sums up the chapter of how at the turn of the century yes was Wagner still uh um Kind of inspiring, sure, but it definitely wasn't like we were holding him on a pedestal as it was uh, in the 1800s, 1850s through the end of his life. And so that really kind of sums up the chapter that I had.
2: Do you think he could, like that in like modern terms, he became an influence, not an influencer?
1: Mm, definitely.
2: Would definitely. that be kind of like what it is?
1: Yeah, Yes. yes. Definitely was an influencer in the 20th century. He influenced, yes, obviously. Um, But definitely, he's not an Instagram influencer. Sorry, got to take that back. No.
2: Better go on to Facebook.
1: (laughs) Right, he belongs. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I guess it's my turn. Oh, wow. Can I get a shot of espresso before we start? (laughs) Um, So my chapter, interestingly named... um, the First World War and Hitler's youth. Hitler is a very controversial topic, so we will talk like this.
0: Yeah, we like uh, we like talking about Hitler on this show apparently. so.
2: And all these political climates. I'm just messing with y'all. So um, the very thing it opened up with, on page 400, if you want to turn to it, if you don't, I don't blame you. It's a big old book. Um, was um, just copyright and how like Bayreuth owned most of Wagner's works. But the Parsifal became public domain because Cosima had lost a copyright battle and she dreaded it. She hated that it became public domain. But right after it inspired, I think, 50 cities to do the Parsifal. Why was she so mad?
0: why
1: greedy like
0: yes like i this this is mine i don't want to share it with others like girl that's what it's for
1: i mean we can talk about i'm not not trying to throw about it under the bus but we can talk about some composers now how they're very strict on copyright copyright um and it's like well we can stop playing your music if that's what you want like if that's what you want we can do that. We can make sure we do that. Um, now, I I'm all for getting your coin. I'm all about it. However, there comes a point where it's just a little too much. It's a little too much. So I think. Well, that's-
0: I think you have to recognize, like in like nowadays, like what's the best way to get your brand out there? You like tell people about it. Also, like in food industry, what ha- like what do you do? grand opening, oh, come in, we'll get 50% off for a plate, or we'll give out samples of our custard, you know, things. So it's the idea that the more people have access to it, um, the more like that it'll be shown. Um, And I think for them back in that time, it's kind of like, I don't know, no, because I only want a certain type of person observing this and having access to this. So basically it was just the idea of who has access to this art. I guess, and just to give you context, this
2: happened in 1901. Was when she lost the lawsuit, um, which um, it was just strange to me. And I, I, I don't know if it was more of like getting her coins and stuff, because I feel like most of the proceeds were probably going to Beirut. I feel like it was more of like she felt like people couldn't really perform Wagner's works, especially The Parsifal, maybe without Wagner. I don't really know. I mean, his works were being performed after he died, obviously. But I just don't know. It was just extremely strange to me that she was upset and dreading this. Also, he died in 1883, to put some more context in this. Just want everybody to know. Okay, the next part of this. Ah, on page 404. This was also weird. It, this little subsection was called Wagner at War. In 1880, before his death, he wrote an essay on religion and art. And Wagner wondered whether bombs and torpedoes and other military technologies would bring about the end of the world. This is before World War I. World War I dates are, just wanna, I like giving context, 1914. So, this is way before the war ever happening. And he's like, are these going to ruin art? Is this going to be the destruction of everything? That was another. And then, why this is so cool or interesting is devastation was in his name. Hitler used Wagner. Wagnerites and Wagnerisms was sometimes extremely political and not good, but it apparently directly contradicts the heart of Wagnerism. But. The ring represents the vicious struggle of Germanic ideas against foreign, therefore enemy powers. This is all just convoluted. And I was wondering what y'all thought about it so far.
0: You know, Wagner is such an oxymoron, like in, in himself. And it's, you know, he'll say something, he'll write this one idea out and then his actions um, say something else. So yeah, the idea of like, Oh gosh, no, my, my works is in no way, uh, talking about war or politics or anything like that. But all the man was, was Germany. He was like, we are German. Like I am the most Germanic German Germany has ever German, you know? And so it, it, it's true. Like he was just like, I'm the purest form of Germany. That type of nationalism gets to the point where you're like, I'm the best. Therefore everyone else is inferior. Okay, like, there's no superiority without inferiority. And so, like, (laughs) I'm just, there's no way you can just be like, no, I'm always just about art and life and love, like, this doesn't, like, this is not my work. Yes, it is. Because that's you. So you are in your work. So yeah, that's, that's, that's funny. That's very funny that he would think that way of himself. You know, some people don't know (laughs) who they really are, unfortunately. So that's just all i have to
1: say about it speak one thing and act the other uh, and that's really who he was i mean uh how are you going to you know prophesize one thing but then not walking your words i mean if you gonna be all nationalistic and stuff well you better put up with it you better say i want guns i want war i want this so that we show who's the top dog don't become a pacifist then, you know, stick to your word. And I would say Wagner, um, there was something uh, in my chapter. Oh, oh, let me find it, let me find it y'all. That spoke to this, Uh, where was it? Where was it? Three something, something. Cause I thought, and you know what you reminded me and it talks about his fragile insecurities. Mm Mm-hmm. Fragile insecure man is what he was. And that's no shade to him, but it's true. Oh, it says right here. Wagner was himself a superb example of the violently insecure male ego.
2: That goes back to, I think, my chapter of gay and Wagner or whatever. And he, like, dressed in all these elaborate fabrics that were often pink around his household and do all this stuff but would never wear it outside. Hashtag
1: DL. uh but anyway mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and i mean as we know now wagner became a part of military lingo
1: mm-hmm. like
2: hitler had all his officers watch wagner because he felt something about this and then thomas mann said wagner epitomized the 19th century in all aspects and if you want to know what all aspects are let me find it on my page. I put the page number now. I need to find it. Yeah. It's grandeur. It's splendor. It's faith and progress. It's bourgeoisie mili- um, materialism. It's naturalist mythologies. It's moral arrogance. It's spiritual longing. And all above, it's, vin- it's art and artist. So we're just going to always hold this man up right next to the pedestal of every like above everybody he's at the top of the skyscraper room, the top of the that little thing in Paris What's the, the Eiffel Tower That's like thing in
0: Paris <laughs> um yeah no I you know how I feel I think we've all talked about this putting someone up to that level is just wrong in general because you're putting a human you know everyone is the same in the sense that we are human so certain certain things will kill us all um and we were all started one way and we end the same way you know in the sense that we we live we die and so the idea wagnerism in general you know can you imagine about we just started going around saying laurenism laurenism is treating yourself and brunch and the, like yeah, that is that's me but like that's just you know that's so pretentious it's just pretentious like at the end of the day like I don't know what people are lacking in themselves to have to idolize someone to this extent. I will never understand that. I can never, I have the people who I look up to in different aspects of my life, but I could never just be like, this person is the ideal human being and I wanna focus my life entirely on everything that they
1: are. No, can't do it. I agree exactly what you said.
2: But hasn't that, isn't that what classical music has turned into in some aspects? You idealize and like, like I love Bernstein, but there's also many other great conductors and this like idealization of a lot of conductors or these famous, like amazing soloists, these composers, we idealize so much. It's almost like we, I don't, I don't know. I don't think
0: there's a problem. I think there's a difference between being like this is one of the greatest conductors of our time and understanding the effect that people have on the people who reach out to them because there are some people who I've like met and who have inspired me but again it's not like I'm like every day all day being like Bernstein is the best conductor ever composer ever he was the master of no like I'm just like he was one of the greatest and i i i understand the impact he had on people that's it so the next the, the reason why classical music is the way that it is now and why it's dying is because people like they, they clinch onto this idea mozart was the father of this sonata leger and because of this we have to play his music and you have to like it no i don't have to like it and i don't like it and so therefore like it's just, just you know this idea that and that's why it's so stuck. And that's why people are, less people are going. They ask why they don't see a lot of young people in symphony halls. and don't see a lot of people of color in symphony halls. We want to see something that's a reflection of ourselves. And so why would I want to listen to this? Something that I have almost no connection with whatsoever. You're telling me what connection I should have with it, but that's not how music, that's not how art works at all.
2: I just think this idealism or this idolization has been a part of classical music a little too long. Like, yes, we can be inspired by, we can be influenced by, but we don't have to idolize off the dome. Next thing, apparently a common trend for people, and this is, I think, a common trend all the time, was people to be drawn toward Wagner early in their life, like once they discover him, and then later fall away and be like, eh, that was Wagner. And I feel like that's a common trend just in in life. This one person wrote... I love the Valkyrie so much, and the Wagnerian conception had so struck me, penetrated me, and that the first effect of his action was to make a reject with the sadness of impotence in everything that was literature. First of all, that is just a lot in one sentence. These people used to put 12,000 words in one sentence. And I was just like, it's just these, it's crazy to me. It is just crazy. And then the last little thing I want to, if, if y'all want to speak on that, y'all can. Um, if not, I will go on to the last thing, wait.
0: I mean, I, I, the only thing I'll say about that, the idea of, you know, when we're younger, of course, we had, we think about the people who we thought were important and, you know, who inspired us and yeah, that, that might change sometimes, um, cause you grow up and you have different viewpoints and you may realize, oh, this person wasn't who I thought they were, or I was thinking about them in a different way. And so, it, I mean, is that kind of basically saying that people who found Wagner when they were young, I guess, learned about who he was as a person. And then that kind of made them go, oh, maybe I shouldn't idolize this person anymore. Cause yeah, I, I, I understand that completely.
1: Yeah. Same thing. It's like, of course, when you're younger, you're naive. So you're going to. Um, And then when you finally grow up and you go through your own personal struggles and your own growing pains, you realize, "Mm, I don't agree with this. And I'm going to move on. And that is okay. Move on. Um, And you could could just kind of float on. That's all you got to do. That's it.
2: And now- where this chapter to me comes to a like, oh yay. Not yay, but like makes sense. In nineteen oh five, Hitler had his most significant Wagner experience during a performance of Can anybody
1: guess? Reinzel and Linz. Did I guess it right? Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, parcel?
2: You gotta guess, Lawrence?
1: Was it the ring? No. It, mm,
0: Don't be looking at the drive now. Is it, it's not Tristan and Isolde, old, right? No. Okay, I didn't think so. I mean, what would- Rienzi.
1: What'd you say? Rienzi. That's what I said.
2: Girl, you said Gold.
1: I said Rienzel and Linz. He did say that.
2: Rienzi, not lol.
1: Well, maybe you should write better. Okay.
2: That is literally an eye. Whatever. Literally. Maybe you should see better.
1: Wait Maybe I should. Maybe I need to get any glasses checked.
2: <laughs> but yeah, you read today. You read a drive. I'm so upset. But yes, it was Rianzi in Lens, Leans, whatever you want to pronounce it. Hitler was stunned into silence after this performance and conjured up a magnificent, inspiring picture of his own future and that of his people. Does that sound familiar? like niche. What did he do in the next world war? The future I mean, of his people.
1: I mean, yes, yeah. But, but it sounds like a young, naive boy that has fell in love with a person, an older man. Look, this just goes what? back to what Laura was talking about. The young boy fell in love with they, these older men, like. The connections, the, the connections, connections. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Exactly. We What's
2: are the in the,
0: we like? are in the matrix. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they if Things will repeat themselves over and over and over again. And yeah, that's scary that Hitler literally romanticized Wagner so much and went, I'm going to go kill so many people because this music inspired me to do so. I'm, what? I'm like, I'm being serious. Like, that's crazy. That's, it's almost borderline dangerous. It's not borderline, it is dangerous because he talked about how, I mean, the, Young Hitler, we know what happens next. Like, it's no shock of, like, well, what did he do after he was inspired by this music? Now, can we say, like, that's the reason as to why? I mean, maybe. I, I, would, I would put my you know, hand also, in and say...
1: We all, we all know. We all know <laughs> Hitler was very upset that he didn't get into art school. Uh, right. He was just bitter. He was a bitter queen. That's what happened. I mean, he said <laughs> in the book
2: that he had, did not have a future as a painter. Let
0: me see if I can find it.
1: Yeah, we know that's exactly what happened. Was a bitter young queen. Mm-hmm. He if you what the word queen means, we mm-hmm. all know.
2: Hello. Here it is. Y'all ready for this? Hitler had no future as a painter. His technique limited by a want of feeling for human figures.
0: Something just...
2: Twice rejected by the Academy of Fine Arts in Vienna, he slipped into slip toward these social margins residing briefly in a home sh- homeless shelter I did not know this um and later in a men's home
1: so he okay. likes the company of men we all know
2: and then I just want to check I want to check this date before I say the next thing
0: yeah it. it's just crazy like i mean well they didn't recognize any art in him and then he went and did what he did so yeah i would say that there were someone who could do something like that was void of art in any sense of the word that's that's not very surprising to me but that's is scary
2: last little thing because this is just really interesting because i had to check my dates the guy who introduced him to Wagner and Wagnerism and all this other stuff later met hitler again in 1939 during a visit to Beirut, the dictator. So we know what's. What else happens later that year is he invaded Poland. Um, anyways, the dictator invoked this Rienzi encounter with the. Words in that hour, it began. Well, again,
1: if y'all don't know this in 1939.
2: That is also when World War Two. II- like yes sorry,
1: so I say it again. yes like, yeah, just, yeah yeah we, we just, got it we got yeah. it mm-hmm. we got it so basically Wagner started World War II <laughs>
0: that's <laughs> a quote that's it that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it good night everyone close the books, drop the close mic
1: that yeah, we're done we're done
0: Come out. I got <laughs> since I'm going outside let me your <laughs> well, math. I mean, I again, I don't know if we can necessarily just say, yeah, Wagner was the reason why World War II, but it, correlation?
1: Much.
2: I mean, he said in that hour, it began, but also just Rienzi of them all, like I love Rienzi, like just, but it's like, like for me, it kind of like makes me go into an outer world, like the opening with just one note, by the trumpet. but I'm like, Rienzi? You couldn't have picked one like
0: that makes me feel like he was one of those people like, no, I don't listen to like main, uh, the uh, mainstream stuff. I like the other
1: stuff. Soundcloud artist only. That's Sound, not thing. SoundCloud.
2: Oh, uh, but no, wow. I just I thought like that. I just want to make sure my dates were right. But he said, in that hour it began. I said, Let me let me grab my purse. I need to
0: leave. <laughs> my, my purse. I mean, through I think all of these chapters in a way just kind of relate um to each other. I mean, they, of course, they all relate to each other, but it's interesting how throughout we were just making connections of, oh, remember when Lauren said that? Remember when Anthony said that? And there, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I wonder what the, you know, books in general, you know, sometimes you're eager to get to the end, but I don't know what I'm looking for by the end of this book. Right. I, I'm not
1: sure. We'll, I be into, in like, mm, a month. we'll be there. Right.
0: Yeah, we have, there's two two more episodes, or yeah, going to be two more episodes, and then we're finished off with of this and I, yeah I'm not sure because remember at the beginning we were very like oh like I wonder if our viewpoints are going to change I don't know
1: my viewpoint is still the same
0: I very start. much yeah I mean it'll be fun to do an end of like once we finish finish and go huh I wonder if this changed my view I mean I learned some stuff absolutely well, but, but pretty, well, pretty yeah. stuff. we'll see we'll see but hope you guys like the episode. Again, always, if you want to know more, and you know, we're not gonna read this to you to see how big this is. Um, but you can read it yourself. But it's it's amazing things that are in there, but we just like to pull interesting points from it. Um, let us know what you think about some of the controversial. Do you think Wagner started World War II? Maybe. That's up to you. <laughs> the world may never know. Um, but yes, please remember to like, subscribe, um, follow us on all of our social medias. Let us know what you think in the comment section, tell a friend who may be interested in these subjects. Other than that, stay healthy, stay happy, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for being a part of our conversation. You can learn more and reach out to us at relativepitchpodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to our listening platforms and follow us on our social media. See you next time.